0: Setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. Cannabisradio.com presents a no holds barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine.
1: Welcome back to Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. The Parents' Guide to Marijuana, and over a hundred other scholarly works on the plant. I also penned the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Today's guests are Lori and Mary Wolfe, authors of The Medical Marijuana Dispensary. We'll also have a new segment on self-compassion in the art of activism. Lori's a CIA graduate, and that's the Culinary Institute of America, not the other CIA. She's been a food editor, recipe developer, and all-around chef extraordinaire for over 30 years. Mary swapped the crazy world of New York finance to partner with Lori and build this business. You can check out all their products at LoriAndMaryJane.com. But let me warn all our listeners, it's hard to look at the site without planning a trip to Portland. Lori and Mary, welcome (laughs) to Burning Issues. Hi. All right. Well, so before we dive in the book, can you tell me a little bit about the company?
2: Uh, So Lori and Mary Jane has been creating marijuana edibles for the medical community around Portland. And Lori's also been creating edible recipes for the broader audience. So our goal at the company is to create all natural edibles that are reliable, effective, and they taste delicious. So we've been finding a lot of edibles that were kind of all over the place in terms of potency. You know, one thing might be 100 milligrams and another is five, and, and the tastes are... We're, you know, often unpleasant, like you can taste the cannabis or some of the chemicals that were used in extraction. So we wanted to make edibles with standard serving size across all products and that they use simple cannabis-infused butters or cooking oils for that all-natural, you know, it's healthier and it tastes so much better. Um, that's Lauren Mary Jane in a nutshell.
1: The the pictures on the website are amazing, and I should add that the photos in the book are completely gorgeous. And the book's really attractive, nice thick paper, wonderful size print, and some intriguing words from the delightful Paul Amentano in the foreword. How'd you get Paul to come along?
2: Well, Paul, you know, and all of normal has been a huge help in this book. It's really geared towards the first time medical marijuana, you know, people who are interested in it who are really kind of fascinated by using the plant for medical purposes, but maybe don't know much about it. Um, and that's, you know, normal is all about that kind of advocacy. So partnering with them and getting Paul on board for the forward was huge. And, you know, with contributions like the great Dr. Mitch, um, <laughs> it's we've got this wonderful book together that we're so excited about.
1: Oh, um, it's really delightful. You're one of the few books that actually mentions the suppositories, and I actually used to do a joke about that back in uh, LA at the Comedy Store in the late 90s. How did you guys sort of discover this, and what inspired you to mention them?
2: Well, you know, we actually saw some of these at some local dispensaries, which I intrigued both Lori and myself, and so, you know, we started researching it, and trying to find out how people use that because I think such a great resource for this book was the medical community because you know there's not a lot I mean the research is definitely growing out there but the community information has really been fascinating in finding out what works for different people so suppositories were something that is a little funny because of the nature of the product but it really does do wonderful things for people so, patients who can't smoke who can't keep down food uh it's a it's a little bullet of health it really does wonderful things
1: i love that expression yeah if you've got nausea or vomiting they're they're really they're they're the best they're really super i uh Mm -hmm. also thought you guys were super candid about what folks have been calling getting over medicated and i wondered if you just wanted to share any rules of thumb you might have for any listeners who might be handling an uncomfortable dose
2: Oh, that is so unpleasant. I've had a couple of those experiences and it's it is a learning experience because you you start to really realize that you need to start at a low dose and you need to take it slow. And really by then you can help curb those experiences. But if you're going through it, it's important to know that your condition it will improve. You cannot overdose by over medicating. You know, it's It will improve just in a few hours, you'll return to normal, or you'll start returning to normal. And the best thing you can really do is just to drink water, try to get some sleep, sleep it off, you'll wake up and you'll feel so much better. But if that's not possible, you can listen to some nice music, you can watch like a happy movie, and just kind of let time do its thing.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. I tell my undergrads, uh, a Benadryl and some Looney Tunes cartoons are about all you can do. And just try to make the best of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, you also mentioned the transdermal patches. And I'm curious, are these becoming more available?
2: You know, they really seem to be. It seems like there's a, a couple big companies out there that are, are making them. And they're pretty cool. You know, I've tried one, and it was it was a great experience. The effects were actually pretty quick, and it was a slow release. So at this moment, it seems to be, you know, in the major markets, which is kind of to be expected because it is a little more of a, I don't know, a complicated product, but it's not complicated in the sense of using it. But, you know, there's got to be some, a lot more work goes into making those. But they, yeah, they seem to be across the major markets like Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon. And we see these as, you know, these got to, I'm sure that these will be expanding as states open up you know, to medical marijuana and recreational and all of that because they're smokeless, they're odorless, they're discreet, they last long, and the dosage, it's really easy to understand and get the right amount.
1: When some of the first patent research came out, I was really intrigued and actually a little skeptical, so I'm delighted to hear that they're really working. That's super. You guys do Mm -hmm. some delightful reviews of the different strains. You've got sativas, indicas, and hybrids, and it's organized really nicely. Care to tell the listeners and sort of broad strokes, what they might expect from a sativa?
2: Well, so sativas are, you know, beloved for the energetic, uplifting effects, while indicas, you know, offer the sedating and relaxing body high, and, you know, hybrids falling somewhere in the middle. But while those categorizations are the traditional categorizations, the leading thought seems to be that those are no longer as useful as they have been But instead, we should look at the terpene and cannabinoid ratios, which it gets a little more technical at that point, but it is like a whole new world that's opening up.
1: It's superb. Dr. Ethan Russo did a big review on that, and it's been delightful to see how much science is finally going into it and how it's really, you know, coming to an intriguing sense of real organized research. I Mm -hmm. don't want to put you guys on the spot, but do you have any strains that you particularly think are good? Mm
2: -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to Lori on this one.
1: Okay. Lori, uh, you got any favorite strains you might mention?
3: Well, we have a friend who is a grower, and he grows J1, which is a cross of Jack Carrar and what, number one skunk, or skunk number one. And it's a fabulous strain. It's a sativa dominant strain, so it is energizing. But at the same time, it it doesn't keep you from falling asleep when you're ready to sleep. You sleep beautifully. We we love that strain and and we use that a lot in our edibles.
1: Sounds like my um, kind of plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's great. Listen, so Lori, I gotta tell you the the photo of you on the website is the most endearing thing I've seen all day, and I really love. The so I'm on day three of my stewed prunes, and I can't wait till tomorrow to give them a try. And the asparagus. <laughs> I had a recipe like this before, but yours is much, much better. There's a full range of gluten-free, you got the vegetarian, you got good old meat. Was this just part of your training and the way you sort of thought about recipes in general?
3: Oh, I think we wanted to give a, a broad range of relatively easy recipes for either patients to make for themselves or for caregivers. You know, one thing, since this book is focusing on medical marijuana, a lot of people are very sick and can't eat a lot of spicy foods or you know have very like specific tastes and things that they're comfortable eating and we try to to do recipes that didn't have any weird spices didn't have any strong strong flavors so that like people who aren't well could eat them without like being overpowered by by odors and and taste that a lot of sick people are just not interested in having. So we kind of focused on simple, flavorful foods that are are quite easy to make.
1: Oh, you're doing God's work. Hey, as my cannabis radio brother Vivian McPeak says, we got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. (laughs) But please come right back. We're talking to Lori and Mary Wolf of the Medical Marijuana Dispensary book
0: and we'll be right back. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors.
1: Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton and be a part of Oregon's
0: fastest growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. more
3: flavor. I said palm trees make California... Yo, 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 it's your boy, T.J. It's your name there, James. You're listening to Dr. B. on Cannibal Confidential... Cannabis Confidential,
0: only on CannabisRadio.com. I feel like palm trees make California. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: And we're back with Lori and Mary Wolf of the Medical Marijuana Dispensary book. The subtitle, Understanding Medicating and Cooking with Cannabis, really says it all. It's a gorgeous piece, as i mentioned before, wonderful photos, over 40 different recipes, all really accessible. I'm having a good time with them. Lori, I just wanted to ask if you'd mind sharing your secret for the can of oil on the air, or are you going to have to make, make the listeners go buy the book?
3: Um, Well, we do. I'm happy to share a recipe for oil. I mean, I think that for a lot of people, what's very important is knowing the kind of cannabis that you have. So if you are in a place where you have the test results, you know exactly what the potency is, it's very simple to make a can of oil or can of butter, and the proportions will really depend on what your THC strength is and what the other compounds are. There are some important things to remember. Don't let it get too hot because you'll ru- ruin some of the cannabinoids can be damaged in the cooking process. But we we cook our cannabis oil and cannabis butter on a very low temperature, like barely a simmer, like and we cook it for three hours. We always do lab tests whenever we make a new batch of cannabis oil or butter, and that process has always managed to take all the THCA, which is the non psychotropic cannabis, and turn it into THC, and that's the psychoactive component. So in that time period, in that low heat, we are able to... Bring out all the positive health benefiting things in the cannabis. And if we there on a couple of occasions, by accident, it's been too hot and things have boiled, definitely the potency, some of the potency is lost. So you really want to keep it low and slow.
1: It sounds like low and slow is kind of our recurring theme because that's how we want to do the dosages as well. I Absolutely. Really... I really love the recipes and the variety is just superb. You've got one of the few fat-free tea recipes. You've got a regular bong tea that does have a fat in there as well. What are your thoughts on its effects and the flavor when you don't have the the fat involved in the tea?
3: As long as you can emulsify the product or you know some things if there isn't a fat, obviously there's nothing for the THC and the other cannabinoids to hold on to however with some products if you mix them if you blend them for a short period of time they will emulsify it will separate after a long time but if you blend or whisk you can get it to mix or use glycerin can help if you add it to some drinks and the thing is it will separate the oil or the butter will separate out if there isn't an emulsifier. But with some things, like if it's a smoothie, if you just quickly blend it and drink, you're fine, and you don't need an emulsifier to you know, keep the THC in the smoothie or hot drink or tea.
1: Oh, that's a riot. So you've got literally everything from soups to desserts. Do you remember a first edible cooking experience? Is there a story about that you might be willing to share? Well, we did have a funny, you know, my husband works
3: um, with us, and he does a lot of the photography. And one of the things that we decided to infuse was our spiced nut mix, which actually we won the dope cup in Seattle a year ago well
1: deserved Um, from what I hear too
3: thank you, thank you they're really like a sweet and salty delicious mix but I made them for the photograph and I did not infuse them and my husband was like picking at them all day and really enjoying them and in the night when he went to sleep I infused them because I was turning them into a product that I was bringing around for, for samples for dispensaries but he had no idea that I had confused them, and you know he was picking away. At, you know the next day, a few nuts, and going back, and about an hour later, he's like, "Whoa, it's really weird. I feel so high." And I looked, and I saw that like half the nuts were gone, and you know he had he had definitely crossed the line. You know he was and off to bed he went, and I made a promise. You know, from then going forward, that everything would have a little label or a little card or something that says infused. Because I realized that not having any clue that something was infused and eating them like something that wasn't was pretty much a nightmare. So it was a lesson learned for both of us.
1: I think we've um, all got a story but, like that. That's that's really cute. Right, yeah. And I got to say the photos are just splendid, so please give him my my uh, effusive praise. Mary, you used to work in New York in the finance district?
2: I did. Yes.
1: It sounds like this is quite a change.
2: Yeah, it is. Almost, it's night and day. You know, moving from New York to Portland in itself is quite a culture change. But then, yeah, moving from a financial company to an edible company—it's, you know, I'm sure you can have a wider jump than that, but it beats me. Yeah.
1: Well, so <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. It seems like a lot of folks think, oh, you just kind of put up a shingle and, and fire up your double boiler, and you're going to be in business. It seems like uh, that's a little naive. Would you care to comment?
2: Well, there, you know, at home edible making is a wonderful thing if you're doing it for yourself or some loved ones, but when you're doing, you know, when you're doing it for patients and you're selling it, it really has to be something that's regulated and it's really um, detailed and watched over because this is, it is medicine that you're giving people and you don't want to just be like throwing in this and that and not really knowing exactly what's in things and not communicating that to people. So, you know, it's, we're 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 growing as a business and understanding those needs and yeah it's for for the patients for the masses we gotta we gotta step up the game so that we don't have any more doubt experiences out there.
1: And it sounds like yeah. you guys started by helping a family friend. Is that or a family member going through some of the related illnesses?
3: Years ago, uh, we lived in New York. We moved out here to Portland eight years ago. My dad had cancer. He was in a lot of pain. And I started making simple edibles for him. He he really had no interest in getting high. He never had. But I found I would make soups and things that were, that first of all, that he really wanted because he felt pretty awful. And so certain things were a complete turnoff. But when he would tell me something he wanted, I would infuse a soup. Or infuse a very simple, like in the book, I have noodles with cottage cheese. It was it's so easy to digest, and I would infuse that, and it gave him a huge amount of relief. And I it was not a, a heavy dose. That was back in the day when even you know, that was back in New York, where I didn't have labs. I I couldn't test like, you know, the cannabis. So it was always a low dose for him, but it gave him a lot of relief. And um, When he was on stronger medications, like, you know, on morphine, he couldn't really speak. He couldn't communicate. He was so out of it. So having a, a diffuse soup, he would get pain relief, but he was still completely alert. And so we had kind of had him for longer because he didn't need to take like some crazy prescription medicine that would render him, you know, in such a zone that, you know, he would just lie there. So it was wonderful for him to get relief from the pain and for his family to kind of still have him there because he was mentally, you know, aware. Also, I have, I use cannabis, I have epilepsy, and I started using cannabis daily, a tiny, tiny amount, three years ago, and I have been seizure and aura-free. I was on a really, really strong medicine that I, I had to have my liver checked every three months to make sure it wasn't damaging me. It was a brutal medicine, and I am off that, and I have not had the slightest hint because I would always get the aura or sense that a seizure was coming on and it's gone.
1: We're oh, that's not. such a heartwarming it's story. That is it's fabulous. Well, so yeah, I, I just, yeah. just, just want to thank you both so much. Uh, point our listeners towards, again, it's Laurie and Mary Jane.com and you'll see some delightful almond cake and brownie bites and just real, real wonderful set of products. And the book Again, it's called the Medical Marijuana Dispensary, and I really recommend it. It's really delightful. Thanks so much for being on the show.
3: Oh, thank, you. thank you. Let me just say that people are welcome to write to us, to email us. We have a lot of people doing that, and we're happy to answer questions.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That's super. All right. Well, we'll catch yes. you up with you guys again.
3: Thank you so much. All right.
1: All yeah, right. thanks, Mitch. Thank you, bitch. Take care. Sure thing. All right. Take care, guys.
0: More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors.
2: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens.
0: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com. It's time to Hempresent with Anadina Stanger.
2: I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people
0: need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on cannabis radio. Sweet sativa! Take Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on cannabisradio.com.
1: And we're back to burning issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. Hey, it's how we support the cannabis crusade. I received a really sweet email asking about optimists and pessimists, and I thought we'd spend a little time talking about behaving like an optimist and how it may be important even if you're not an optimist at heart. I don't really believe in the categories of optimists and pessimists. We all tend to fall on a continuum between the extremes, and it varies with different domains of life. Some people are more optimistic than others about some topics. Some people are more pessimistic than others on other topics. For ease of conversation, let's just call them optimists and pessimists for now. In truth, I always thought that talking pessimistically would help prevent big disappointments but it's just not true what matters more than how you talk or how you think is what you do so even if you'll never be an optimist at heart you can do what optimists do and get what optimists get yes the data are true optimists suffer less they recover from setbacks quicker they try harder after a defeat they're practically magic it's astounding but any of us can learn to do the things that they do. It's not just hopping around like a caffeinated cheerleader after a strong sativa. They aren't Pollyannas. They're really just thinking about a brighter future. And if you anticipate a brighter future, you know what steps to take to make a brighter future appear. So, for example, suppose we wanted to set up a soup kitchen in town, or we would just wanted to see if there was one where we could be any help. And then we'd find out, no, there isn't a soup kitchen. I might say, oh, well, we tried. But a real optimist would say, let's ask around. And then after a few questions, we might find out there's a homeless shelter and they're dying to have a soup kitchen. And they might even know a place to make the soup. And then the optimist might ask local businesses if they would want to sponsor the soup. You get the idea. Folks would come together and each would pitch in. Optimists make the moves in the right direction, and they end up making things happen. It need not take a lot of effort to do the things they do, even if you don't think the thoughts that they think. A curious thing happens when you compare the memories and expectations of optimists and pessimists in the lab. Pessimists rarely think that their actions will lead to great outcomes, but it turns out it's partly because every time their actions do lead to great outcomes, they forget that it happened. So my optimistic friend suggested that we ask around about the soup kitchen because she remembers being able to succeed at tasks in the past. Of course she thinks that setting up a soup kitchen would be no big deal because, again, she's got it in memory that doing comparable things. Now, how could I get more like that? Research suggests that if I pay attention and keep a small record, it just might do the trick. Every day I could write down three good things that happened. And then in addition to those three good things, I should record how my actions might have contributed. The three good things don't need to be huge. It doesn't have to be winning the Nobel Prize. I might have received an unexpectedly nice phone message and realize it's simply because I left a polite phone message at first. I might have discovered a great new lunch place and realized it's simply because I was willing to adventure to somewhere new. You get the idea. Start paying attention to your role in positive outcomes and you'll start remembering them and then you start thinking that you can make them happen. Then the next time you get a cool idea, you might think, hey, I've made good things happen before and suddenly you're off and running. More importantly, you'll start taking those little baby steps in the right direction until the cool idea becomes a reality. Now, how do we know it will work? Well, previous researchers have shown that it works for them and for people a lot like us. But more importantly, we can start gathering our own data. So tonight, make a list of three good things that happened today and how you paved the way for them to happen. After a week or two, see if you don't catch yourself taking on bigger tasks, making good things happen, and thinking that you can. And then, of course, let me know your results with a quick email to 420research at gmail.com that's the numbers 420research at gmail.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Burning Issues. My continued gratitude to the Cannabis Radio Production Wizards and today's guests, Lori and Mary Wolf, authors of The Medical Marijuana Dispensary. Please join us again soon. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine at cannabisradio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide.